and I'll, I've got a lot of scripture. I'll tell you, I've got a lot of scripture. Um, don't let that scare you, but first Kings and what we'll do is I'll have you turn, uh, well, we'll look first in chapter number 16 and I'm going to read select scriptures from this book. And, uh, as we look through chapter 16, we'll look into 17 and then we'll look into 18. I'm not going to read all three chapters, but we're going to, we're going to read a few scriptures from each. So first Kings chapter number 16, verse number 29 is where we'll look this morning. It's probably a familiar story to you. Glad to be back in the old Testament. I hadn't I love. I, I usually <laughs> I preach out the Old Testament a lot. So, uh, as a, our studies in John, First John, and the Book of John hadn't been there in a while. So thankful to be back. Verse number twenty nine for the beginning of the reading of our uh, our scripture today. The Bible says, and in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab the son of Omri to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Verse 31, And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ithbal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. We know that any that come to power come to power only because God allows them to come to power. But we know at the end of the day, God is still God. He gets his glory. He's the king. He's the creator. He's the savior. And regardless of what we think we are because of a title or position we're given or what we do or how people look at us, at the end of the day, he's still king. goes on in verse 34, it says, In his days did heal the Bethlehite build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof. And Abram, his, fir- Abram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof and his youngest son Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua the son of Nun. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for all that you've done for us, all your many blessings. We thank you for who you are and just being you, God, our creator, our savior, our redeemer. Lord, and we thank you and we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So looking this morning, thinking about King Ahab, and we know, as I said, he, he is moving into position and into power. He's the king. And it's a concerning thing because we see in verse 30 what it says, And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Now I'd say in a day like this day where things were a little different, not everybody had the same voice that they have today. Uh, To be considered the the most evil and wicked king that had, had been in line, he had done something. I'd say he was probably pretty mean. I imagine uh, that he, there was some things about him that were, were probably not things to be proud of. And considering this day, it says, verse 31, it says, And it came to pass as it, as it, if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam. 
Now, this is talking about this King Ahab, and he doesn't uh, apparently care about the way he walks and he lives his life. And Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and took the wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal. The wife that he took, have you ever heard uh, anyone call someone in a derogatory way a Jezebel? Uh, they call somebody that. Uh, that's the type of person he married. Uh, is, is her name is marked down forevermore as someone uh, that, that would be, uh, an, you don't name your daughter that, I'll tell you that. That's not a name that's, uh, that's honoring to God. And so that's who he was married to. That's the way Ahab was walking. He was a wicked man. The daughter of Ithbal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He just uh, took up with his wife and started worshipping the God of the day. You'll find back in these days, these little G gods, they came in and out of power and they were different people, that they, different uh, gods that they would worship depending on what day it was or uh, what year it was in those days. It was just kind of in and out. They, uh, sometimes it'd be this person, sometimes it'd be this person, sometimes it'd be God when they got real good and scared. But uh, this time they were worshiping Baal in verse 32 and he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal which he had built in Samaria. And so not only uh, was he uh, was he worshiping Baal, but he actually built an altar to Baal in the land that uh, the land of God's people in Israel. And what a what a, a wild thing to think about is in God's kingdom, he rose a, 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 a an altar up to a different god, and Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Uh, he, he was putting himself in a bad position. I don't know that he had realized it because the way he walked, the way he lived his life, he was uh, out of touch with God. He wasn't familiar with the Lord. Uh, but all the while, while he was making these decisions, he was angering God. And it says, and this, this stuck out to me, and I, I hadn't seen it before, and, and I noticed this. It says, in, the day, in, these day, in the, his days did heal the Bethelite, build Jericho. Have you ever seen that before in your study? It blew my mind when I saw that. When we consider and think about back in the book of Joshua, verse six uh, or verse twenty-six in chapter six, it, uh, this is after Jericho was destroyed. There was a curse placed on Jericho, if you remember. And in verse uh, twenty-six of Joshua six, Joshua says, and Joshua adjured them at, at that time, saying, "Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth, buildeth this city, Jericho." He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest shall he set up the gates, the gates of it. So he placed a curse upon Jericho, Joshua did. And we find in the days of Ahab that they were so wicked and the, the, the people were living so loosely, they were living so far away from God that, that heal the Bethlehite, he built Jericho. And look what it says, he's, he's taking on this curse. It says he laid the foundation thereof in Abram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof and his youngest son Segub according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, let me tell you something. This was a wicked, evil, messed up day. Ahab was a wicked king. He was evil. He was corrupt. He was ungodly. Everything down to his marriage. Uh, they say every, behind every good man or behind every man is a strong woman. He didn't even have a strong woman behind him uh, supporting him. He had an evil, messed up, wicked woman behind him. And, and in his day, it was so ungodly and wicked that the walls of Jericho began to be restored. Now, I'm telling you, that's saying something there. That's saying, because Israel remembered what took place at Jericho. That was a story. I'd about guarantee you that was a story uh, amongst uh, the, the dinner talk or the, the talk while after, after supper at night. That was a conversation that was had. But this was the kind of world that was taking place. 
So the story goes on in the first Kings 17, verse number one. I'll read there. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And so we find that the famine is foretold. We find there is a famine that's going to be coming down the road. We find that, uh, and we know that Ahab had angered God. The way that Ahab had lived, the way that Ahab had done, the, the relationships Ahab had, had took part in, um, and the people all the way down uh, in, in the different ranks of people, from the peasants to the leaders to different things, you'll find corrupt people in many different positions and places, all the way to the point that they're, uh, they're just, they don't care what God said uh, back in the book of Joshua. They don't care uh, that, that they were told that they were going to be cursed, but they just go ahead, let's just be, rebuild Jericho. I don't know, but if I was a construction worker, I'd have quit my job because knowing what I know about that situation, I'd have got away from that. I don't know about you. I'd have got my lunchbox and went home. But in this situation, this is the world they're living in. This is the wickedness that's taken place. And the famine is foretold to, to Elijah. And so it goes on and he says, uh, he's heading down to Cherith in verse 4. It says, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody that can tell animals to do much of anything. If you ever dealt with animals much in your life, you'll know that's the case. Uh, and and even, a, even a dog, a domestic dog is difficult to tell, uh, tell what to do. I've just finally got mine to where he'll listen to me uh, when I want him to. And I, I get home and he might not listen to me. He might take off up the road. I don't know. But it, with dealing with animals, I, I can't tell them what to do. Uh, you just got to be patient. But we serve a God that can command the animals to do his will. He tells the ravens, I'm, I, can't, I can't even imagine this in my mind, but he's telling the ravens, he said, I'm going to send my preacher boy, Elijah. He's going to be down at the brook Cherith. And eventually that brook's going to dry up. And I'm going to need you ravens to go feed him. I've never seen anything like that. That's amazing to me. And so that's the kind of God we serve. So if the God that we serve can command the animals what to do, don't you think that he's serious, means serious business with Ahab? Don't you mean he don't you think he meant serious business with Jericho? I, I just I can't imagine being on on that side of it. And it goes on and it says in verse number five, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell thee there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. And so not only does he control the animals, but he knows his people. He knows his loved ones. He knows those that care for him and care for his word. He can command them. He, if you love him today, he can command you. He'll impress something on your heart to do, to suffice someone in need. And so God furnishes for, for Elijah. Here he is. He's down at the brook, and he's being fed by the ravens. And uh, if you ever seen how birds birds feed, I don't. I'm not even going to get into that whole thing. But I, I, he's bringing. They're bringing him meat. They're bringing him. Uh, they're bringing him bread, and they're taking care of him by the command of God. And he's got that brook there. And eventually, that famine that he prophesied of, that famine started to come by. The brook started to dry up. And God said, well, it's okay. I've got someone, I've got a widow woman that can, she'll take care of you. She'll sustain you. Now, I, I would love to die 
dive into that story, but that's not what God's got on my heart this morning. Lord willing, we'll go back to the story of the widow woman in, uh, in, in just a few weeks. Now let's go on to chapter number 18. And we're going to go on to the next chapter. We're, we're going to look over this, this widow woman for now. We'll go back later, Lord willing. Chapter number 18. The father's furnished for him. The famine followed him. That brook starts to dry up. That famine's following him. But we see that the father gives the forecast. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Could you imagine what three years of absolute no rain would look like? Sure. I remember growing up and Mama and Papa, it was always so important, that garden. Whether it was the tobacco or the hay or whatever it was, we've got to have some rain. Or the, tree, the creek gets down so low the cattle can't hardly drink from it. But you don't want to go get water out of the well because the, the well's running low. Everything's running low. What just a little bit of heat, what a little bit of drought, what a little bit of dry weather will do, it'll throw you into a, into a tiz. It's, it's, it's scary. Three years. Now God protected his, his, his preacher, Elijah, God took care of him. He, 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 he had helped him. But there were many out there that they faced this famine head on. Sure. They faced the difficulties of this head on. And Elijah, verse 2, went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord... That, that, that's, that's Jezebel for you. Cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took an hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land unto all fountains of water and unto all brooks. Peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive that we lose not all the beasts. He said maybe we'll find something out there. Maybe there'll be something out there. Listen to this, verse number 6. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by, by himself. You got the king out there looking for, for water. You got the king out there looking for some grass. You got the king looking out there looking, trying to find somewhere just to keep the, the livestock uh, from, from falling over and dying. That's the type of, of, of place that wicked leadership will put you in. This is, we, we live in a divisive time and people want to point fingers and people want to do things, but I don't care who it is, it, whether it's the president, whether it's a, a pastor, whether it's somebody at a schoolhouse, wherever it is, wicked leadership will put you in a mess. I promise you every single time. Wicked leadership in the home will mess you up. Wicked leadership at, at work will mess you up. You got to be careful. Leaders, if you're a leader to somebody. My home, I'm a leader. It's my responsibility to be the leader, to be the one that would protect and provide and do. And I've got one that can't talk, and Shelby, she's wore out all the time. We're just making it. We're just trying to survive. But I'm thankful for what little bit God has given me to lead. My little family, what a blessing it is. I'm, I, I shouldn't take it lightly. I don't believe Ahab took seriously the power of God. Right. If he had, he'd have done something different way back when. Uh -huh. He puts his people through three years 
a famine and drought. Goes on, verse number seven, and, and as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him and fell on his face and said, Art thou my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What if I <laughs> listen to Obadiah here? He knew what kind of leader they were dealing with. And he said, What if I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? He said, you mean to tell me you want me to go tell the king that you're showing up? Last time we saw you, we could go down to the creek and take a bath. We go down there now and it's dry as a bone. I'm not going back to him. What, why would you want? He's going to kill me. And there were some things Obadiah, we found about, about Obadiah. He actually went and he had hid the prophets and he was feeding the prophets and taking care of the prophets that Jezebel had kicked out. So he had a lot on the line. And he says in verse 10, As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, He is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that, that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come, tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me, but I thy servant fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, how I hid an hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? This is, this is Ahab here. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't realize that uh, he, he, he's so built up in himself. He's put himself on this pedestal. He's trying to find answers. I'm sure by this point in time, the people are, are, are out, I'm sure maybe even out in the streets going crazy, at, wanting to know what's going to happen, what's going to come next, what's going to go on. Ahab, Ahab, what, what's, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? He felt this pressure. And here's Elijah. This is the person. Like I said, last time we seen him, we were doing fine. And here we are. It's drying up. Things are getting difficult. Things are getting tough. He says, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Look at what the man of God says to him. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Ahab, it's a result of your, of your dedication. Your dedication's in the wrong place, Ahab. You're the reason Israel's suffering. You're the reason for the dry brooks. You're the reason people are starving to death. Your unfaithfulness to God is the reason we're in the place we're in right now. More than anything, you have chosen to follow a God that is not the God. You've chosen to follow a God that is not the Lord, the Creator, the Savior, the Redeemer. You've chosen the wrong God. Verse number 19, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel and Mount Carmel and 
the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Something else about Jezebel. She kicked, kicked and killed the other prophets, prophets of God, and she brought the prophets of Baal in. Ahab, he had it bad on both sides. In his heart and his life and in his wife's life and dedication, she invited these men in. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye be between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are four hundred and fifty men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. Now, the forecast that God gives is that he's going to send Elijah to do his work. He's going to teach a lesson to Ahab and the prophets of Baal and anybody that would follow anyone else. He's going to teach a lesson to them, and we'll find that here in just a moment. But there are some folks that get fascinated here in a second. And my message to you this morning, I figured I'd do nothing but read, and I'm almost done, but my message to you this morning is dealing with non-believers. Dealing with non-believers. We'll find in a moment that these prophets of Baal they were what we would say in other terms. They were turned to a reprobate mind. They were irredeemable. God was done with them. Right. We'll find that in just a few moments. Because Elijah slays them all. 450 people. That's a sad day. But dealing with non-believers, Elijah was powerful in who he was through God. But to a lost man like Ahab... Elijah was the one with power. When, it, when, they, when the name of Elijah being spoken caused conflict in the life of Ahab. But Ahab and the prophets of Baal, they're going to meet God in just a few moments. The God. These folks get fascinated here in just a second. So what he does first is he says, and here's Elijah. He's the only, he says, I'm the only prophet of God standing here. And I mean, 450 men, that's a small army right there. That's a lot of men. You can do a lot of damage with people of that size. But here's Elijah standing by himself. Dealing with non-believers in your life, it means a lot of times you may be standing alone. Because as we talked about earlier in Sunday school, the things of God, it's not the most popular thing. But it is the most timeless thing. It's eternal. Elijah knew he had that promise of God, the promise of eternity, the promise of forever in his Lord and Savior. And he's standing here before all these prophets, and I can't even imagine the picture, but I know that verse 23, Elijah had faith because he says, go get you a bullet, and, and they were preparing for a burnt offering. He said, you can choose is what he says here. Verse 24, or verse, yeah, verse 23. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in, in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under and I will dress the other. So he gave them the pick. 
You choose. You can get your pick. You choose. Verse 24, And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. He said, We're going to give you an opportunity here to prove your God. If he, the whichever God can rain fire down from the sky, that will be the God. You will witness today who, who the true God is. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first, for ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullet, which, bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. Now listen to Elijah here. This is, this is a, it's kind of humorous, and I, in this day it wouldn't have been, but if you're standing there, it wouldn't have been, especially if you're a prophet of Baal, but it's kind of humorous. It says, And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is in a journey or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. He's saying, where's he at? Where's he at? What's he doing? Maybe he's off doing something else. We'll, we'll, we can wait a minute. I'll wait here just a moment. Maybe he's asleep. Remember the old story, Jack and the Beanstalk? The big giant up in the sky is asleep at the top of the beanstalk. And he gets up there and he wakes him. And you, you know the story, fee-fi-fo-fum. Maybe that's what we're dealing with. Maybe that's Baal up there, just sleeping away. Let's go wake him up. But listen to this. This is their dedication. This is, this is sad. Verse 28. This is their dedication to sin. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. That's how dedicated they were to this mess. That they would harm their own body. And because we've we got to do something. We've got to make it happen. That's dealing with non-believers. You'll see them take themselves to places in their life that you would never even imagine wanting to go. That you'll see them harm their bodies. You'll see them harm themselves because of their dedication to their sin. Verse 29, and it, and it came to pass when midday was passed that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, and there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor, that, nor any that regarded. It was almost to the point, the, the crowd had left. We're done. We'll see you later. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. Listen to this. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. In your life, sometimes, if you're going to be able to deal with non-believers, you're going to have to repair a broken down altar. Because I tell you, if you don't repair that altar, the pressures of dealing with people that don't know God, they will drive you insane. It's so difficult. You, in your walk, in your life with people, when you're dealing with people, sometimes you'll find it even being, you'll, you'll be a little lax, sometimes even around lost people. No, I won't. No, I won't. I tell you what, how quick do we get in line? How quick do we straighten up? How quick do we talk different when we get around church people? Yeah. Tell me that, don't tell me that you'll, you won't lax off with lost people. See, if the devil can trick you into thinking you can slack off around lost people, he's won. And you're in that battle. You got to be careful. Sometimes we have to repair an altar. 
Verse 31, And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. I'm sure in a burnt offering sacrifice, this would probably be a little bit of an interesting request. When you start a fire, you don't start with water, do you, Papa? You don't, you don't start with water. Maybe diesel fuel or kerosene or gasoline if you're if you're dangerous like that you don't start with water but he said fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood you certainly don't soak your your fuel with water and he said do it the second time and they did it the second time and he said do it the third time and they did it the third time and the water ran about with about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. That was so much water that that trench, he dug that for a reason. That's so much water that they poured on this burnt sacrifice, this burnt offering, that it filled the trench up. I don't exactly know how much two measures of seed is. I, I didn't look it up, but it's probably a pretty decent-sized trench to fill. You take four barrels of water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Sometimes dealing with non-believers means even though Elijah was provided for, he was facing the drought too. He was facing the famine as well. He was dealing with that. I'm sure he felt in his heart that desire to see the rain come back. I don't know about you, but I'm glad my grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents didn't go live in a desert somewhere. I like green, lush foliage, foliage around me. I don't like hot nasty, messed up desert. But to live in that, sometimes in dealing with non-believers, we'll have to live in it. Sometimes we'll have to face it. It's difficult sometimes. As we've been studying about Job, he didn't have some underlying sin that he had committed that caused his difficulties in his life. It was just part of life. And I'm taken back and I consider and think about the, 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 uh, Scripture there over in Matthew, considering about the man that built his house upon the rock and the man that built his house upon the sand. The storm comes by both houses. It rains on the just and the unjust. I say that a lot. I repeat that a lot. That's life. But sometimes we will have to call upon God. We really all the time need to call upon God and say, Lord, you are the only one that can change the minds of these people. You're the only one that can show your power. Within me, I have no power to do anything. The only way I could have got that fire started would have been with some gasoline and a torch. 
I certainly wouldn't have went and poured water on it if I was relying on me. If Elijah was saying, if he knew in his heart he was the one that was going to have to make this fire happen, he certainly wouldn't have been pouring water on it. Verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty hot fire. Not only does it concern, concern, uh, con consume the fuel, the meat and the wood, but I ain't ever seen a fire hot enough to take a stone away, to consume a stone, to consume the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. In an instant, there it's gone. Remember back just a few scriptures, a few verses ago. Let the, the, the God that can rain fire, let him be God. The Lord proved himself that day. He showed himself that day. He showed his power. It goes on and... It says, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. They had committed an offense that was, wasn't forgivable. They had went past the point where God was willing to deal with them. They saw the truth and realized, I've made a mistake. I've done something wrong. I'm going to worship God. He's, he, he did it. All day we, we hollered and yelled and screamed for Baal and we cut ourselves and we jumped around and did all these things and Baal never answered. But that fire came from the sky and there he, he is God. But they were too far. They went too far. And Elijah, he slays them. He takes their life, 450 people. Sometimes dealing with non-believers. That wasn't Elijah that necessarily he, he did it. But it was according to God's will. If Elijah had done that according to his own will, that would have been wrong. But he did according to God's will. God will deal with non-believers. It's not our responsibility to. You find years ago in the Crusades and the Holy Wars... So much bloodshed, they say in the name of Christ. They go and they pillage and burn stuff down and kill countless people, killed Jews and Christians and all denominations and everybody. And they say in the name of Christ. It's not right. God will get his vengeance. Vengeance is his. It's not mine. Somebody does me wrong, I'm best just letting them walk on by. I deal with them differently. I might stay away. I might stay back. I might get involved if I have to, to to protect me or my family. But vengeance is God's. Dealing with non-believers means praying, letting God show himself. I can tell somebody God is God till I'm blue in the face. But when I get down and I say, God, it's up to you. You're going to please show them you who you are. He can and he will. It's not up to me. To judge after the fact. Mm -hmm. He will deal with them in the way he sees fit. There were some folks that got fascinated that day, I'd guarantee you. But then we find the forecast getting fulfilled. It says in verse 41, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. How about that? 
God's done what he needed to do, and I can just, I can feel it. You know when rain's coming. Your old bum knee starts hurting. You can smell it in the air. The, te the temperature changes when it's on its way. There it is. God is coming. His promise is coming. He's fulfilling that forecast he gave Elijah. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and cast, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Sometimes dealing with non-believers, there's some of them that they can sit like Ahab. I don't know if, uh, if, if after seeing all that, I'd be ready to go have a, have a snack. But he was. He goes and he eats and he drinks, and there's sometimes that even seeing the power of God will not show people. It literally takes them dying and going to hell. I, I, I would imagine it, that that's what it takes to stand before God and, and for God to cast them aside and say, you don't, I don't know you. You're not mine. You're not saved. Right. It takes them having that type of eternity to, to realize, oh my goodness, I missed out on this. He is God. That's a shame. Elijah knew that the work wasn't done. So, and, and said to his servant, go up now, verse 43. Looked toward the sea, and he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind. And there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Even after seemingly the work was done. I imagine Elijah had, had, a, big, had a big day. I know he had a big day. He was ready to go home, I'm sure. But it hadn't rained yet. But he still, he, he had faith. It's going to rain. God's going to bring the rain back to the land. You know, I believe in our walk today, we take for granted too quickly the things that God gives. How many times, and I'm guilty of this, how many times do we go to bed at night believing that the sun will come up tomorrow? If God wanted it to, it could never, he could make it to where it would never crest, never come up into the sky. That's the God we serve. That's our Savior. He has the power to do that. He could make it to the point where it got so hot that the moisture in the ground would just seem to evaporate. You can't sustain anything long without any moisture. Nothing, you need heat for things to grow, but you've got to have moisture. We serve a God that we could wake up in the morning. And I don't care what Verizon tells you or U.S. Cellular tells you. Or your internet provider tells you. But he has the power to take away everything we take for granted. The power we have to plug our phones up. Our phones may not work. All these things. Could you imagine what the world would do? We think COVID was bad. Could you imagine what the world would do if the internet stopped? Oh, it would be insane. He has the power to do that if he wants to. And I'm telling you what. We're just happen to be living in the world that it's possible that he does that just because people in this world, they don't care if it don't rain. They'll just go inside as long as there's air conditioning, they're fine. But you take some of these things, the worldly pleasures we have today away, that might be the way God has to speak to our world. 
who'd ever thought taking Wi-Fi away was going to be what it would, would have, to co- have to be to get people's attention. But he can do it, and he may do it, and we may have to live through it. It might be you and me that God has to send to a widow woman that we skipped over. We'll go back. It might be you and me that God has to send to a widow woman for us to survive. Like old Obadiah and those prophets, we might be in a cave somewhere having to eat bread and water every single meal every single day just to survive because God's having to show the non-believers, the unbelievers, who he is. That sounds a little harsh, but I'm telling you what, this word is true. And just because the, I know and understand the law of that Old Testament has been fulfilled, we know and we're thankful for that. But these things that happen here, they happen for a reason. He can do it again. We might have to live through it. So like Elijah, we need to be dedicated to him. And we might stand before 450 people that don't believe. I tell you what, standing across from one person that doesn't believe is just enough. Listen to one person on TV talking that don't believe is hard. Just the concept of someone that hates God is difficult. Just the thought. We might be in that situation. If we don't, if God, if we don't, God doesn't take us out of here, we could be in the same circumstance. But like Elijah, we need to pray. We need to let God show that he's God. And when all the work's done, Lord, give us what we need. Send the rain back, whatever it may be. I wonder this morning if there's anything on anyone's heart.